I just arrived on uh, Tuesday, and uh, I woke up actually this morning at quarter to three, and I changed uh, my whole message. We've been doing a series through the book of Philippians, and I just did four messages on contentment from the first uh, 13 verses, and so I condensed it, and so Craig said I could speak till two o'clock. Um, anyway, to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Do you remember the last time that you um, took a group photo and then someone showed you the picture? Hello? Yeah? Who's the first person you look for? <laughs> if, it, if it was a really good picture, you probably looked at it a little bit longer. So yeah, not, not too bad. Now look, if we have a divine photographer, and if he took a picture, it could, the whole world, the seven plus billion people, in one time, would he look for you first? Or would you be well, well down the line somewhere? Uh, do you feel he's, you're the object of his affection and his devotion, that he really cares about your deepest needs? So my question as we begin today, are you living, present tense, a joyful, contented life? I guess we'd have to maybe do some defining and so forth of, of that. But if not, why not? And if not now, when? When the economy changes, when the government changes, when the roads are nice, when there's power back on every day, and there's water. Look, I came here in 94. I exchanged at the airport at four to one. <laughs> Times have changed, haven't they? If you looked up the word contentment in the dictionary, it'll say this, freedom from care, satisfaction with one's person, possessions, status, or situation. The writer that's writing this little book, Philippians, was under house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard in three-hour shifts, 24-7. And he says in the 12th verse of the first chapter, he said this, I want you to know something, Philippians, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that now even the whole Praetorian Guard, Caesar's household, has heard the gospel, the good news. Rarely do most of us look through the lens of the greater progress of the gospel as it relates to our lives. Hello. We're concerned about our own agenda instead of his. And one of the reasons we don't have contentment is we're not seeking him first. His kingdom, his righteousness, his rule, his power in our own uh, lives. So I said, what kind of a life are you living? If I had my PowerPoint, I would have some various things. Are you, is your, are you living a victorious life or a defeated life? A significant one or a meaningless one? A stressful one? Well, oh, we have some sort of stress. Or a peaceful one in the midst of it? 
A fearful one or a faithful one? I had some pictures I was going to show you of contentment, but I, as I was uh, sifting through without projector and so forth there, there are some pictures in the Bible. Picture this. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, and they're in, you know, out on the Sea of Galilee. It, it's okay to have the boat in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, that's not so good. And Peter shakes Jesus and says, don't you care that we're perishing? Because he was sleeping. There was no fear, there was no worry, there was no anxiety. In Acts chapter 12, the night before they're going to bring Peter out and lop off his head like they did to James, Peter is sleeping. That's a picture, my friends, of contentment. It's like a baby on a mother's breast. There's no worry, there's no fear, there is only contentment. So I said, you should have your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And there's a phrase in here that I'm going to share all of my thoughts from. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, he had been with them now, or apart from them, for 10 years my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. This phrase, stand firm in the Lord, is a military term. That amidst all that goes on in life and all that we face, whether it's here in Zimbabwe or, or we, I've never seen our nation in my 75 years of life on planet Earth so divided as it is today, racially and in so many other ways. And we are to stand firm in the midst of it. It's the same words that used in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul says that we are to stand firm against all the schemes of the devil. The word is schisms. The enemy attacks your mind and my mind, and we're to stand firm. And some of us are, are on pretty shaky ground. We, we don't know how to take a stance. I've been on 18 different basketball teams all over the world, sharing Christ through sports, 20 different countries. When you, when you play defense, you gotta take yourself a stance. You gotta be ready to move. You gotta get down, keep your back straight, you know, on your tiptoes so that you can play some defense. That's the picture that's, that's here, that we are to stand firm. We're to put on the full armor of God. Now, <clears throat> there are some enemies in contentment, and I'm not talking about the enemy, the adversary, but let me just share some with you this morning. These are things that you struggle with that we all do. One of the enemies' contentment is pride. We talked here about we need to come to him. We need to surrender him. Pride will always keep you off your knees thinking you can handle this situation. A skewed or wrong perspective on who God is. If we don't have that sort of right according to the Bible, <clears throat> we'll never be contented. If you don't know that he's sovereign, that he's in control of things, you'll always be nervous and fearful. Unbelief, the lies from the enemy, 
the values of the world or trying to fit into the world and wanting the things of the world. Comparison, you compare yourself to another, you'll either end up thinking you're, you're pretty good or you'll think you're nothing. No, we're to have a sane estimate of ourselves. So here are the things that we are to stand in, I believe, in our day and age, and if you want to live a contented life, because in the sixth, in the sixth verse of this book, Paul is going to say, this fourth chapter, he says, be anxious for nothing. Zip, zero, nada, nothing. We stand firm in the righteousness of Christ. Period. You have none of your own. But we are to glory and we are to stand in. He says this in the, in the third chapter. He says, whatever things were gained to me, those things I was counted as rubbish or dung in order that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him not having any righteousness of my own but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And if you know that you are right with God and that he's imputed to your account his righteousness because yours is like filthy rags and mine filthier, and we stand against all of the lies that come upon us, all of the thoughts that come, what people hurl against us, we stand firm in the righteousness of Christ. When we were in Sri Lanka as missionaries, they used to sing a little song there, if the Lord says I am righteous, then I, then I am. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1. You either do have peace with God or you don't. You either are justified or you don't. It's either been deposited into your account or it hasn't been. We stand firm in that. And so contentment is a byproduct of knowing who God is, who we are, and what he's done for you and me. Here's the second thing we, we stand firm in, and that is in Christ's love for you and me. If you don't know that you're loved by God, you will never be peaceful or contented. Notice what he says there. My beloved brethren, so stand firm in the Lord. My beloved. It's the love of God that God has for you and for me. Contentment is believing that God will not abandon us even though everyone and everything around us seems to be saying that his love is a lie and that there is no such thing as justice. You have to believe that there is not one thing that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all when we were sinners and rebels, how will he not now freely give us all things? that he's a gracious, good God. True story. A little boy by the name of Jude was sitting at the kitchen table on a chair with his feet dangling. And his mother cries out, ah, I just lost my keys. I must be losing my mind. And this five-year-old looks at her and says this, mom, you may lose your mind 
but please never lose your heart because I'm in there. You mothers, you know your children. They're on your heart. Fathers, you know your children, boys, girls, whatever they may be, they're on our hearts. There's not a day goes by. There's not a hardly an hour that goes by that you don't think about your children. His thoughts towards you, if you were to count them, they would outnumber the sand of the sea. You may not believe it, it's true. We stand firm in his love for you and me. Here's the third thing we need to stand firm in. If you want to have peace and contentment, it's in our unity. Notice what it says here. I urge, verse 2, I urge Yodi and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. The word harmony there is a musical term. You have altos and basses and sopranos and tenors and so forth. And when they can sing, it sounds nice to the ear, doesn't it? Now these two women, look at what they've done. They've shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These are not two ladies who are just bystanders. These are two women who are willing to suffer for Jesus' sake and the cause of the gospel, but they're at odds. And as Epaphroditus, the one who probably delivered this letter, you can imagine Yodia sitting over here and Syntyche's over here and Epaphroditus is reading the letter and says, hey, I urge Yodia, I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. And he says, I ask you, true comrade, to help these two. Sometimes you need someone to help in terms of reconciliation. Listen to this. Contentment is impossible if we aren't kind, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you and forgiven me and remember that the beauty of the church is in the diversity of its people. Everybody is not like Glenn, thank goodness. We are different. We have different gifts that God has given to us and together we are to form well, we are his body and we're to work together. All are not hands, all are not mouths, all are not feet, all are not armpits. <laughs> no, we work together. It's, it's our unity. Here's the fourth thing. In our access. Look at verse uh, four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle or forbearing spirit be known to all men. Now catch this phrase in the book, in the scriptures. The Lord is near. Now, there are three different interpretations that could be here. Near that he's watching. Near that he's coming soon or near that he's close, very, very close, that God is approachable, that God is accessible, that God is available, that God is willing and longs to help us in our time of need. And to me, I've taught this book for 17 years at a Christian college, that's what it means 
in my theology, and that's what it means from my experience, that God is near. He's near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's opposed to the proud. He gives grace if you come and you humble yourself and you cry out. For us guys, it's tough for us sometimes. Our egos, our pride, our arrogance. He's near. Otherwise, the next verse makes no sense to me. Be anxious for nothing. If he's not near, if he's not available, if he can't help us in the things of, of life. If I had the screen up here, I would, you would see this. Contentment is the confidence that Jesus is our high priest who's available, accessible, approachable, and willing to heal our broken hearts. What's his present ministry, the Lord Jesus? High priest. We rarely talk about his present ministry. He's praying for you right now and for me in whatever you're going through. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if any man sins, or woman, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation or the blood atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. In other words, what John is saying, we have an advocate, we have a defense attorney who's never lost a case. And he never will. When the enemy comes and accuses you and people accuse you, <clears throat> he's near. In fact, he's, as the brother was saying today, he's within us. The Lord is near. God is working, chapter 1, verse 6, in us to complete what he started. He's at work 2, 12, and 13 to will and to work for his good pleasure, not yours, his. He's at work. You need to trust that. We need to stand firm. Now notice this. In our, I put this in our worship. Look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Is that inclusive? In everything, whatever you're going through. By prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, doesn't God already know? Uh-huh. And by the way, there are four different Greek words in this verse for prayer. We're to let our requests be made known to God. And you know that prayer is, is worship. Worship just isn't singing. Worship has to do with our lives. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's our spiritual service of worship. We worship God with our bodies, with our hearts, with our minds, with our souls. Yes, with our voice. Catch this. Contentment will always be elusive and never a reality if we aren't honest with God and if we think that he doesn't know our darkest secrets. He knows your darkest secrets. He's still not disillusioned with you. 
He just wants you to come and get them out in the open. If it's in the darkness, he cannot bring healing. If we bring it out in the open, you can bring light. Is there anything today between you and him? Any secret? Something that you're holding on to? I was in church. I've preached for the last five weeks on contentment. <clears throat> we have an orchestra that plays once in a while. One of the guys that was playing one of the brass instruments, I got an email four days ago that he's been molesting his teenage daughter and he's in jail. But you would see him up there playing on Sunday morning his horn. Listen. You can't fool God. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Come clean. You can never have peace and contentment and joy in your heart if you hide something from the Almighty. You see, one of the greatest things regarding we want to see healing if God can bring contentment and peace in your heart and joy in the midst of whatever you go through, that, my friend, is supernatural. And you can have it. I was 30 years old before I humbled myself for Almighty God. I was too prideful, too arrogant. You never win in sports by, by giving up and surrender, and you never win in the Christian life unless you do. Look at verse 8. We stand firm, we must, in our thoughts. Because you can pray about something, and two minutes later, you take it back again. You have to change your thinking. You have to renew your mind. 45 years ago, uh, when the Lord saved me, I said, give me a hunger for the book, for the scriptures, for truth. Because the truth will set you. Anything else will keep you in bondage. Contentment is directly related to your knowledge of the holy. And the most important thing about you Today are the thoughts you think about God that are true. I was just with my, my good friend Chip Ingram. He was on a basketball team with me in 1976. He was 20. Uh, <clears throat> he's been on two teams and we were in South America. We played national teams over, all over for five weeks. We, we, we knelt down our knees and said, God, use us somewhere in the world. Chip's on, on 500 radio stations around uh, the world. He just came back from China where he distributed, I don't know how many of his DVDs and materials. His last uh, big series that he has done is called The Real God. I'm gonna use it for some of our 30-some pastors and wives and caregivers that we do at Habitation of Hope here coming up very shortly. The Real God. Do you know the real God? The God of the Bible. The God who is holy, who is righteous, who is good, who is kind, who is just, who is forgiving. Do you know him? There's nothing more important in life. There's nothing more freeing in life than to know him. 
And then we stand firm in our, in our actions. Look at verse 9. You see, you can pray about something, then you take it back. And you can be, you can, uh, be thinking about something else, and even good thoughts, but if you just leave it there, you, it needs to be integrated into your, into your life. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, notice, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You have to integrate them into your life. You see, you've heard me say this before here at Harvest. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Your walk, the way you live, talks. Hey, wives, the way your husband, huh? He walks. And what he talks? But your walk talks much louder than your talk talks. Some of us can talk a good, 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 good game, even Christian lingo. It's about the walk, my friends. Practice these things. Otherwise, the God of peace will never be with you. You will not experience peace in the midst of storms. If today isn't a day, perfect day for contentment, when? <laughs> I pray tell when. Today is the day. Not when you go on vacation. I'll tell you this. There is women, there is no men, man that can love you enough. There is no child that can need you enough. Men, there is no job that can pay you enough. There is no pleasure that can satisfy you enough. There, there, that, those things just do not exist. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Paul is going to say here in a bit, I have found the secret. Have you discovered the secret jewel of contentment? And here is my, my last one. We stand firm in our abandonment to Christ. Look at what the Bible says here. Verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now at last you revived your concern for me. This has to do with financial giving. And by the way, everything you have belongs to God. So be a good steward of it. He'll direct you. You were consumed before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, but I've noticed I have learned how to be content in whatever circumstance I am. Well, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Contentment is not automatic. Contentment is a process. I have learned to be content. And if you pour out your heart to God and you're not anxious about things, and if you begin to think his thoughts, which are high and loftier than yours, and you begin to put them into action in, in your life, you can experience contentment. This is a U.S. silver dollar. You'll have printed on one side, liberty. 1776. On the other side, it'll say, in God we trust. 
If you want to live a contented life, I would suggest uh, you think of this coin and you pray like Jesus prayed. He prayed literally a coin prayer in the garden. He's going to the cross. He's going to be pierced through for your transgressions. He's going to be crushed for Glenn's iniquities. The chastening of our well-being is going to fall upon him and by his scourging, by his suffering, by his death, we are healed. And as he faced that at an emotional level, he cried out with drops of blood. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. That's one side of the coin, his heads, and the other side is tails. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross, not a whimper, like a lamb led to slaughter. I grew up on a farm. I know what it's like to slaughter animals. Slaughter. for you and for me. As long as you want your will, peace will be elusive, contentment will be a dream. Coin. Put one in your pocket when you want your own way. Reach down in it. Not my will, but yours. <clears throat> Some of us, we're, we're tied up in knots inside. I could make a few more if I wanted to. Huh? That's what anxiety and fear and doubt and all these things will do to you. They'll tie up in knots. The word anxiety here literally means to be pulled in two different directions. And I came across a knot prayer just two weeks ago. I'll read it to you. Dear God, please untie the knots that are in my mind, my heart, my life. Remove the have-nots, the cannots, the do-nots that I have in my mind. Erase the will-nots, the may-nots, the might-nots that find a home in my heart. Release me from the could-nots, the would-nots, the should-nots that obstruct my life. Most of all, dear God, I ask that you remove from my mind, my heart, and my life all the am-nots that I have allowed to hold me back, especially the thought that I am not good enough. You're not good enough. He's made you good. You are not righteous. He has made you righteous. And if you think that the bar is so high and you have to keep jumping through these hoops that God keeps setting higher and higher and higher, peace and contentment 
will be like trying to catch the wind. You'll never experience it. I close with a personal testimony. <clears throat> when the tsunami hit, and uh, 250,000 people died, one of the countries that would hit the hardest was the island where we used to be missionaries. I coached the men's Sri national Sri Lankan team for three years, took them to the Asian Games in Calcutta in 1982. Calcutta, by the way, you used to call the armpit of the world. They go in a wagon in the morning and throw the dead into it. And uh, when the tsunami hit, the very first TV program I saw <clears throat> was a reporter standing in a city called Ambalangot on the coast. He says, I'm standing here in Ambalangota. In 1980, I was in that city of Ambalangota. There was not one church. There was not one Bible study. There was not one Christian in a city of somewhere between 25 to 50,000. I was doing a basketball clinic for a school for an entire week. I was alone by myself. They put me in a little uh, cottage. Didn't have a bathroom in it. It was 100 degrees. It was 95% humidity. I had no mosquito net. I ate rice for breakfast. I ate rice for lunch. I ate rice for dinner. There was no electricity. I had no fan. I'm laying there in my bed every single night and I'm just sweating as you just do there in the tropics. And I said, Lord, when will I be content if not now? When I get back to Colombo and see my wife and two precious children? When? You see, the secret jewel of contentment is abandonment to the person of Jesus and being satisfied with him and him alone. Paul says, I've learned the secret. He actually shared the secret earlier in the first chapter, the 21st verse. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die, I'm home. What do you have that you have not received from a good God? You think you've earned it all? If you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not? Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Enjoy it. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy what God has given you. The world didn't give us his peace, his joy, and if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. It comes from him. And when your life gets all tied up into knots, then you get on your knees and you pray and you be honest with God 
Otherwise, there is no freedom. None. And there is no healing. Peaceful. I'm ready for him to come today. I'm apart from my wife for two months. She couldn't come. She has to have knee surgery. We had to cancel her ticket. So am I biting my nails? Is she biting her nails there? Oh, we're apart. 54 years we've been married. She's the love of my life. But we're separated. We've been separated many times. I traveled a third of the time as missionaries in Sri Lanka and the Philippines. Can you be content when you're apart from your sweetheart? Can you be content when your kids have a debilitating disease? Is it stressful? Is it to some degree? Yes. Is there concern? Yes. But can you be content and trust God? Because he loves to be trusted. Everybody else in life will let you down. He won't. If you have anything today that you need to give to him, your stressful situation, your health, whatever it might be, I suggest you take some time and sort it out with him. Get on your knees or lift up your hands. I don't care where it is. You can talk to God anytime. And you just practice his presence. That's what I've tried to do in, in my journey now these days, these latter days of my life. My life's about over. It's to just live in fellowship with him. Talk with him in the car, whatever I go, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, knowing that he's aware, he's inside of me. He loves me. He does. He does. Jesus loves me, this I know. I think it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who said, what's, what's your greatest thing regarding theology? Jesus loves me, this I know. But the Bible tells me so. And if you're, not, if you're not in the book, if you're not beholding him as in a mirror, I can tell you you'll never be content. You've got to let him talk to you, my friends. So Lord, I thank you for my friends here at Harvest today. Each one precious in your sight. Not a one of us here are accidents. You knit each one of us together in our mother's womb. You knew the days ordained for us when there was not a one. Your thoughts toward us are precious and numerous and many. You know each person here today, you know their joys, you know their stresses, you know their struggles, you know their heartaches, you know their secrets. And I just pray that they would open themselves up to you so you could heal them. Because whatever's in the darkness cannot be healed there, only in the light. My prayer for all of us is that we would all, Father, walk in the light as you are in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, We want to thank you today for the word of God, for the spirit of God, for the body of Christ, 
for Jesus, in whose name we pray, with thanksgiving, amen. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you very much.